2: As part of our never-ending coverage for the 12th man in the NFL, this is Football Fridays with Hugh Millen, sponsored by Tito's Handmade Vodka. Tito's on game day? Pour me in, coach. Find cocktail recipes for the everyday fan at titosvodka.com. 40% alcohol by volume, namely 80 proof, crafted to be savored responsibly. Now with you, here's Zotty and Dick. All right, Hugh Millen with us on the radio program every Friday, brought to you by Tito's, Uh, Hughie. how are you, pal? What's going on? I'm doing great, guys. What's happening? Uh, not much. Before we dive into the Seahawk chatter, uh, lots of conversation about DK Metcalf this week. Want to get your thoughts on that. Why don't you just take a minute and just uh, reflect on the job that Kalen DeBoer has done in the 19 games that he's been walking the sideline for UW?
1: Well, he's been spectacular, of course, and, and uh, we'll wait and see when he's in the Big Ten and, and the challenges there and he doesn't have. Michael Penix and Roma Dunze and, and those kind of cats. But uh, all signs, of of course, are pointing upward, and, and it's, it's really been something. And I, I, I just, for me, in studying them, I think that the uh, the precision is in the details, and obviously their pass attack is, is precise. It, you know, I would liken it to, if you, if you watch a downhill skier, like an Olympic downhill skier, and they're training – they get into a crouch and they do it in a wind tunnel and every single inch matters. Right. And, and the precision that you have in that, I, I think you can say that with the receivers. I've been in coaching rooms where, where the offensive coordinator is taken out like a telestrator, like a John Madden or telestrator. And he says, Hey, look, I want your hips to be here, not here. And then, and I, you look and say, well, it's damn near the same thing. You know, your shoulders to be here, not here. And, and, the people that coach that way, they understand the, the kinesiology of it and, and the movement, the most efficient way to get in and out of breaks. You want to um, run an out route? Well, are you running a speed cut or a square cut? Uh, well, there's, a different, there's different kinesiology involved with that and, and different teaching, acute routes like, like comebacks and, uh, and curls and hooks and what have you. Those take a different type of body uh, uh, mechanics. And so they teach that. And then from a concept standpoint, they are, they are very creative. In some ways, they remind me of Kyle Shanahan in, in terms of, of how they, they get receivers in the wake. Think of like water skiing. They get in the wake, and two receivers, that they make it hard on defenders to understand which way um, guys are going to go. And, and they spray releases, meaning instead of going perpendicular to the line of scrimmage, they're going to widen it, or they're going to do an inside stem and then straighten. So they're doing a lot of little subtle details to get the feet of the defenders crossed up, and that's how you're getting the separation. And, of course, they've got Michael Penix just uh, dialed in a- to everything he could possibly face. And, and and I'm speaking about the offense. I'm going to take one play from the defense. If you go back to that third and two uh, uh, that preceded, the fourth and three. When when Oregon had the ball, midfield, mm-hmm. two minutes to go. Right, remember the third and two. Of course. It, remember now, Oregon converts on this. They're going to take four knees and the game. Yep. And and Allah had that penetration. Right. Remember that. Yep. For three, uh, a yard loss.
0: And the running back slipped too. Right. At Jordan James. Yeah.
1: Well, the Huskies. Yeah. The Huskies were in an under front. Normally, what you have. So the, so if you're, I want you. I'm going to put you in Bo Nix's position. Your shotgun your center is going to go hard left to the three technique. That's outside shade of the left guard. You're Bo Nix now. This is all from Nix's perspective. Normally what you would see in an under front is a guy shading the right shoulder of the center. But for whatever reason, all it was in a two eye and that's not technically an under front. But what happened is the right guard stands up because he's, he's, instead of blocking down on the, on the shade, he stands up, and there's a big window because the center disappears. All is able to knife through that hole and make the stop. But, look, I, I haven't studied enough of Oregon's uh, offense to know why they called that. I just know this. He was in a two-eye and not a shade. So, mm. get, getting back to what I said at the onset of the, uh, of the segment, I said precisions in the details. And those type of details, yep. to get that big gap. What did we see? As a layman, you saw this huge gap between the center and the right guard, all in knifes in. There's details behind that. They made the calls in the right spot. And, you know, we're, we're talking about a football team under Kalen DeBoer. There's only last two football games in a year and a half. And, and it's, it's those details.
0: Hugh, you- Obviously, the Huskies earned that win, but they got some help as well from Dan Lanning. Uh, I want to read you this quote, Rick Neuheisel, earlier with us today. Quote, we have more coaches out there using analytics as an excuse instead of playing situational football. Putting your head in the sand and saying, I'm doing it just because the book says so, is not the right way to go about it. What's your thoughts on his calls and your thoughts on Rick's statement?
1: Yeah, I'm not certain that that he is going by the book. I, I take Brandon Staley. He's been under criticism for a lot of similar decisions he's made yes. as the head coach of the chargers. There's, there's no question in my mind that he strikes me as a book guy. And we know what, from his comments, I'm not sure Dan Lanning's just w- not one of these puffed up, you know, macho guys that, that <laughs> loves MMA and wants to, wants to ana- make everything analysis to MMA. And, you know, he says, Hey, we came up here to win. Well, okay. As if, if you kick the field goal, does that mean you wanted to win less? Right? Like, yep. I'm not sure that it's all booked. It may be, and, and, and maybe I'm speaking out of turn. Yep. Nonetheless, all we can say is we analyze the decisions. They were all fourth and threes, exactly three yards to go right before the half. I didn't like the scheme because to Bo Nix's left, the right-handed quarterback was the trips receivers. When he sprinted out to his right, he only had one option. The ball was on the left hash. The receiver is running a short comeback to the right front pylon. He's got no other option. And you go back to a year ago, Nick threw about a hundred yard pick six at Pullman. So I can understand why he was reluctant to do it. The second one in the third quarter, fourth and three going into the lake. Uh, that was a case where the Oregon coaching staff with the bunch formation they had to the right yep. and, and the Huskies in their man formation, they, they got the matchup they got. They got a wide open receiver. Bonix could have completed that when he was in fifth grade, but he chose instead of trusting the matchup, the uh, the scheme on the right. He chose the matchup on the left, one on one on a hook route, and uh, he made a bad decision. And now the last one w- is the one that I would have. I think that the the, the math would say it, of of the three, the the most sound or the least unsound, perhaps was the last one because you got a let's say you got a fifty. Fifty chance of of picking up three yards and then you can end the game as opposed to what's the odds is is Penix you know 85 yards versus 50 yards is it double the tip? probably not double I mean you could probably concoct based on assumptions you could probably defend the last decision although I still would punt it but I think that the math could you could find that defensible. Well, Danny, uh, uh, Danny
2: Canell hang on a second, Hugh. Danny Canell was on the show yesterday and said that Oregon, on 70% of the plays they have run this year, have picked up three yards or more. And they couldn't do it uh, on that fourth down play. So they were certainly playing the percentages, no doubt, on that play without yeah, question. But
1: Dave, but Dave, how many of those, you know, the, that's the problem when you build this data set. You say, okay, well, how many of them were fourth and three? I don't know the answer, but these are, these are important questions. How many fourth and three? How many are with a crowd like that where you can't communicate? Yep. Oh, yeah. uh, with get the it. game on the line and totally it gets get a it. better team? You know, if, if, if the Portland State is figuring into the, to the 70%, right, uh, then, then that book ha- is, is based on some assumptions that weren't playing out when that game was on the line. And, and just to close the point on that last one, wh- where I credit the Oregon coaches on the, the second one, because they got a guy wide open in a in a switch release against man coverage, I credit the Husky coaches on the last one because they they deciphered that motion and uh, and they got outside leverage on the outbreaking both the outbreaking routes uh, that Nick's was going to. They got they got pressure up the field in the Nick's face, um, and so everything that you'd want to do, it was as if the Husky coaches were in the Oregon huddle, and so uh, it was a mixed bag uh, yeah. of those. But yeah. I would say. Yeah. If we're talking about right. the math. Right. I would say I would defend the the last one. The All
2: right, let's uh, oh. let us let let's move to a different conversation because uh, I want to get your thoughts on everything happening right now with DK Metcalf. DK Metcalf had a press conference what two days ago? Is that right, guys? Wednesday, yes. Where he said, "Look, in regards to the personal fouls, I'm I'm not going to change my ways. I I play the way I play." And a lot of people have been critical of him for that. There's been a lot of people floating ideas about giving more targets to Jake Bobo trading D.K. Metcalf, getting a first-round draft pick for him, blah, blah, blah. Dick and I have gone back and forth on a lot of that this week. What do you make of just the approach to D.K. Metcalf that the media, some media, some fans are taking right now?
1: Well, I I think you start and you say uh, everybody is accountable for their actions. So I'm going to talk about D.K. There's no excuse. It's insubordination. What he said is a defiance um, that cannot be defended defended. Um, what he did on the field, in my opinion, is not just a bad look for DK Metcalf. It, it's so egregious that it's a bad look for the Seattle Seahawks. You will get zero support from me about DK Metcalf, either what he did on the field or what he said to the media uh, at all. So I hope I'm clear on that. Um, now, he, so he's the most responsible. I do think that P Carroll uh, the philosophy of how you use them, it's uh, and, and how you deal with them. Let's just talk about how you deal with them. I think Pete Carroll is way too soft on how you deal with them. I, I play with Michael Irvin. He wouldn't dream of challenging Jimmy Johnson like that, right? And I could give, you know, Parcells and other guys, he'd say, well, that's a different style. I get it. But somehow or another, Pete Carroll's got to find a new way to, uh, to interact with DK Metcalf. Um, as far as the scheme, I'll just say this. Um, I've sent you guys a bunch of – of of photos from the all 22 about how open he was against Cincinnati I've sent you guys um, uh, clear pictures both of Tyler Lockett's touchdowns against the Lions including the game winner in overtime that they're playing what a lot of people call cover seven it's just man-to-man against everybody else and two guys bracketing who DK Metcalf and Tyler's getting one-on-one this is happening all the time DK Metcalf gets rolled and doubled more than um, Tyler, and, and even that sting route, that sting post uh, that Tyler had down the middle of the field uh, with a, a minute two, two minutes ago. There's two defenders within two yards uh, of of Metcalf, so so his impact. <laughs> I mean, I just kind of ch- tell. I mean, Bobo, I'm not even going to address that because that 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 sounds like somebody who just you know is, I, I don't know plays cricket in India or something. <laughs> Nobody who watches football would would say that. Metcalf, I think, is underutilized. Um, I'm going to just cite some facts that you you can debate the relevance. Prior to the season, ESPN came out with a uh, the, their top 100 based on 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 uh, polling, general managers, coaches, scouts, what have you. There was only three Seahawks that made the list. Pat Mahomes was number one out of 100, as you'd me, DK Metcalf was 52, and Tariq Woolen was 82. And Tyler Lockett was 90. That's it. Now, the, the, this is linemen and everybody else. This isn't just skill guys for mm. fantasy. Okay? Um, PFF last year, there was discussion about, okay, route tree. PFF, they have a separate if, – if you get their analytics that the, the teams get, they grade the routes. Metcalf had, for the entire season last year, a higher route grade than Tyler Lockett. This year, Metcalf has a higher route grade the entire locket and the and the gap is widening they also have 11 categories categories of routes so if if you're just completely the route tree you were you ran everything the same every every category would be nine percent so dk only had two two of those categories whereas his, uh, uh, his routes were under five percent tyra had six percent so i i mean i I give you my opinion. I don't know how much it carries weight. I give you the, these photos. I just I, How about Troy Aikman? Troy Aikman, every time he does a Seattle game, he says what? I would throw to Metcalf over the top, deep, every single quarter, four times a game. And so, so I think that he, they don't throw to him as much. He's open and he's not being thrown to. It's, it's getting him frustrated. And they are going to rue the day. I believe this. We'll be talking in 10, 15, 20 years on sports radio about how we underuse DK Metcalf. He's that good yeah. and it's not you know that's why the Cowboys were willing to give two number ones for him last year. Well, and so they in my opinion, you got to ramp it up uh in terms of of your use of DK Metcalf.
0: Well, what I'm hearing from you is it's it's more maybe more a Gino thing than it is a Waldron and a Pete thing. I mean, Hugh Gino, nine of his first 12 starts, he was over 100 passer rating. He is two of his last 11 Is he just afraid of making mistakes so he's rushing through his progressions or is he just not seeing guys? What is it? Because I think a lot of what you're saying about DK is a Geno thing.
1: Yeah, and and this more so than most weeks. And and he was – and I really stressed on Monday and every time I've been on this week, his aggression, discretion meter was way out of calibration. And what I mean by that is – is the majority I had a, an entire sheet of paper now I'm in Connecticut right now it's not in front of me but I had an entire sheet of paper after studying uh, the the coach's tape from the Bengal game of and it was entitled Geno to conservative and most of more did DK wh- where they had opportunities and he just wasn't pulling the trigger and then paradoxically uh, on on the bottom of the paper with, with less uh, uh, um Entries was the D K, excuse me, Geno too aggressive, including those two interceptions, and so he had a couple of bad decisions. He threw a he threw a uh, a go route out of bounds to Tyler Lockett. That's an aggressive. Say so Metcalf was open on a slant on the opposite side, and it was it was there pre snap. The window was bigger than you could ever hope to see in in youth football, let alone NFL, and he just wasn't looking there. And so, yeah, that was a bad day for uh, – and I think some of the um, – whether it's PFF or, or some of them, I think that they tend to miss more on the, – they'll they'll grade a guy down when he's too aggressive and he throws an interception. Because the, the grader might be like he played linebacker in small college or something. Maybe he has never been in an NFL quarterback meeting. They're less likely to grade a guy down when he when he's conservative and he gets a completion for a checkdown. When in a quarterback room you're going – dude, we we, we, we got to take that shot. We, we called that play for that coverage. We got the coverage we want. It's wide open. You got to throw that. Otherwise, we'll be sitting at the end of the game, and we'll have 13 points, and we'll lose 16 to 13. Yeah, maybe we'll have a nice passer rating. Now, in this case, uh, it didn't because DK, or as I said, Geno paradoxically threw two interceptions. But if you get too conservative, yeah, you might not uh you might have a high completion percentage and no interceptions, but you're not gonna have points. You're not gonna have wins. Yeah. So I think yeah. he was off and, and he's gotta pick that up.
2: Well I, I just I'll just throw it out there, Hugh. I know we gotta wrap it up. You're saying that the Hawks have to ramp up their use of DK Metcalf. This is his fifth year. Okay, guys? He's been here for five years. So if you're telling me that all of a sudden Pete Carroll says, You know what? You guys have been right the entire time. I'm gonna start throwing the ball to DK Metcalf ten times a game. <laughs> I will drop over and hit my head on the cement if that happens starting this Sunday against Arizona. He's been here five yeah, years. What makes you think that's going to change you?
1: Well, here's it, – it, 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 it's really sad. I agree with that. I agree with everything you just said. And here's the sad part. For those who th- – I mean, the Bobo thing, I'm not even going to – I mean, that's absurd. But for those who think, okay, well, let's move on, then guess what you're going to be doing? You're going to be saying, oh, we got to get an X receiver and what kind of X are you going to be looking for you're going to be looking for a guy oh can we get a guy who's just 80% of dk like you already got him and 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 please understand you don't just evaluate a receiver based on routes that are thrown to you what about the again the single coverage that kyler gets because dk's getting doubled you get rid of dk and that's that's going to have uh, like a jenga tower that's yeah. going to have repercussions across Everything, even down to the running game. So, so you're just you're dying when you scout to hit the home run with a second rounder as talented as DK, and then you just say, "Well, let's get rid of him," and then pray that the next guy is is a is a fraction of DK. That's nonsensical. Yeah, keep DK, throw him the damn ball, and and that's what teams do with the Michael Irvins and the Jerry Rice yep. and the and the and the Shannon Sharps. You, no doubt, you, you, you got a thorough Red. Keep his
2: bucket full of oats. All right, man. I love it. Uh, we love horse analogies, too, all the time on the air. <laughs> hey, Sunday, post-game show with Dick after the Hawks in Arizona yes. on the station. Uh, enjoy Connecticut. We'll talk soon, buddy. Thanks, Thanks pal.
1: Hammer down.
2: All, right, all right. Hugh Millen with us on the radio show. Uh, I think if I saw Jose Altuve in person, I might pee myself after what I just saw him He's do bad, bad in man. this baseball game. We'll come back and talk about that next on 93.3 FM.